The following podcast contains adult themes and is suitable for mature audiences only. Hi everyone, and welcome to Where Are They Now? On today's episode, we'll be exploring how the band The Knack came about, and their sudden rise to the top with their hit song My Sharona. We'll take a look at how this song became such a big hit, what caused the band to fade off, and where the band members are today. So let's get straight into the story. I'm your host Adam Hampton, and this is Lyrics of Their Life, Where Are They Now? The Knack's lead singer, Doug Feger, was born Douglas Lars Feger on the 20th of August 1952 in Oak Park, Michigan, in the US. His parents included his American father, Bernard Julian Feger, and his Norwegian mother, June Beth Obera, while he also had an older brother by two years named Jeffrey and a younger sister named Beth. Doug grew up surrounded by music in the Nine Mile Greenfield area of Oak Park, Michigan, a northern suburb of Detroit and during his high school years at Oak Park, he formed his own rock band called Sky. Sky did well on the live scene, especially in LA, where they performed for most of their shows. Their ability to entertain on the live scene saw Doug and his bandmates sign their first record deal with RCA Records, and later recorded two albums, one with Rolling Stones producer Jimmy Miller, called Don't Hold Back, in 1970, and Sailor's Delight with Led Zeppelin producer Andy Johns in 1971. This was all while still attending high school. Doug would gig with Sky and took up an interest in producing himself over the years, and after Sky struggled to score any hits on the mainstream, they decided to call it quits in 1974. The rest of the band returned to their home city of Detroit, while Doug, who was enjoying the rock and roll lifestyle of the Sunset Strip, decided to remain in LA. Not too long after this, Doug met a guitarist and keyboard player named Burden Averi, who was also a talented songwriter. This led the pair to collaborate and write songs together. Doug then discovered an interest he had for production and produced the debut album for American punk band Rubber City Rebels, which was released in 1977. He also produced another album for LA band Mystery Pop. After hitting it off with Rubber City Rebels drummer Brandon Matheson, Doug decided they should form their own band called the Sunset Bombers, and soon enough, they recorded an album under Ariola Records, but yet again, the band failed to take off. This led Doug to work on his own music for a while, alongside Bird and Averi. Working with Averi gave Doug the idea to form his own band around the two, and in early 1978 it happened, which they would eventually come to be known as The Knack. With Bird and Averi on guitar, and an old friend and drummer named Bruce Gary joining him, the Knack headed into the studio to produce a demo tape, complete with songs they had written from over the years, with Doug on vocals and filling in on bass while they searched for a bass player. Once they had finished recording the demo tape, they sent it out to a range of music labels, but it wasn't to be, and they failed to get any bites. 
Last to join the band was Prescott Niles on bass, allowing Doug to focus just on vocals. Their very first gig as a four-piece, as The Knack, was at the famous LA venue called the Whiskey A Go Go on the 1st of June 1978. This led to further gigs in LA, including at the famous Troubadour. Over time they started to build a solid reputation, especially on the LA club scene, as a good rock and roll band that could cut it with the best. There were no shortage of shows, and they gigged non-stop, even earning surprise guest appearances on stage with Bruce Springsteen, Stephen Stills, Raymond Zarek of The Doors, and Tom Petty during their time on the Sunset Strip. From June 1978, the Knack would play a total of 50 shows in the space of six months, with their fan base rapidly growing as fans lined up in mass to enter their shows. After previously being rejected by a number of labels, interest shot through the roof and once their demo fell into the right hands, it enraged a bidding war with up to 13 different offers on the table from labels, including those that had already rejected them previously. This was just days after Bruce Springsteen was seen jamming with them on stage at the Troubadour. The Knack, however, decided to go with Capitol Records, signing the deal in January 1979, which at that time in the label's history was the largest sum of money they had ever signed someone for. During April 1979, the Knack entered the recording studio for their debut album, Get the Knack, with renowned producer Mike Chapman producing the album for them. The recording of the album only took them two weeks at a cost of $18,000, which was quite cheap considering what other artists were paying at the time. The band members were quite heavily influenced by the Beatles and classic rock and roll music when putting the album together. After a strong promotional campaign by Capitol Records, Get the Knack was released on the 11th of June 1979. It was an instant success, powering up the charts all around the world and reaching number one in Australia. Canada and the US, selling around 5 to 6 million copies worldwide, with 3 million being sold in the US alone. In the US, it spent 5 weeks at number 1 and became Capitol Records' fastest selling debut album since the Beatles Meet the Beatles album back in 1964. The lead single from the album would be none other than My Sharona, and of course their most successful one during their career being one of the most played songs on commercial radio to this day and recognised for its popular guitar bass and drum hook. My Sharona would become a huge number one hit in Australia, Canada and the US and sold over 1 million copies in the US alone, becoming the top selling track in the US in 1979. With its infectious bopping rock beat and catchy lyrics, My Sharona is recognised today as one of the most influential rock songs of all time and best one-hit wonders, a tag that the Knack would sadly be stuck with. With the success of My Sharona, for a brief moment, the Knack were the biggest band in the world. Doug's vocals were on point and Avery's awesome guitar riff and solo quickly earned him cred in the industry. The music video for the track would prove to be popular showing Doug's cheeky personality and highlighted his large charismatic stage presence that so many reported to enjoy. They were labelled by the media as an overnight success story, but in fact it had taken them many years of hard work to get to this point, and despite being all over the radio at the time, Capitol Records was said to have only put $50,000 into the album's promotion altogether, which wasn't exactly very much. The theme of the song, however, actually delves into being unfaithful and highlights Doug's clear disrespect for relationships, 
and a somewhat creepy obsession for Sharona. Doug wrote my Sharona with guitarist Burden Averi about a 17-year-old woman named Sharona Alperin, who he found attractive despite him already being in a long-term relationship with another woman and being 25 years old himself. While out one day with his girlfriend, Doug introduced himself to Sharona while she was working in a clothing store, only to find out that she already had a boyfriend. Despite learning of this information, Doug wasn't deterred and right in front of his girlfriend, he invited Sharona to one of his shows and to bring her boyfriend too. After this, Sharona and her boyfriend began attending the Knack shows regularly, becoming big fans and Doug took his obsession with Sharona that next step further and dumped his long-term girlfriend to pursue Sharona. Despite Doug being 8 years older than Sharona, he wasn't shy about how he felt and ended up telling Sharona exactly how he felt about her. This however made things weird, especially with her boyfriend being a big fan of his. Then Doug started writing songs about Sharona, including My Sharona, and others called That's What The Little Girls Do, and She's So Selfish, even before they were together. With Doug said to have wrote a number of songs about her over a two month period. Doug was quoted as saying, It was like getting hit in the head with a baseball bat. I fell in love with her instantly. And when that happened, it sparked something, and I started writing a lot of songs feverishly in a short amount of time. He also commented in another interview that when writing My Sharona, he attempted to think like a 14-year-old boy would, and wrote it in just 15 minutes. Doug even managed to have Sharona pose for the album's iconic front cover artwork, Forget the Knack, despite not yet dating. The lyrics in the song are slightly strange, considering the two weren't even together at this stage, but it was more like a crush, as Doug sings, My little pretty one, my pretty one, when you gonna give me some time, Sharona? You make my motor run, my motor run, got it coming off the line, Sharona. Never gonna stop, give it up, such a dirty mind, I always get it up, for the touch of the younger kind. Before Doug sings the main line of my Sharona, despite not even being in a relationship with her yet. Then after around a year later of Doug telling Sharona how he felt, she left her boyfriend for Doug. Sharona would join the Knack on the Road on tour and would watch on cheering for Doug as the song written about her got the band to the top of the charts. Despite the lyrics bordering on sexist and being quite controversial, it wasn't too different to the subject matter and sexual innuendo that bands like Led Zeppelin and the typical rock and roll musicians would delve into. Female fans especially became obsessed with the Knack as it was labelled Knack Mania, and the boys were lapping up every bit of it they could as they were played on radio and TV all around the world, taking them on tours of the US, Australia and Europe. The song would prove to be very influential on the future of rock and roll music, and go on to inspire the rhythm section to beat it by Michael Jackson, it inspired Devo's Girl You Want, it would be ranked by Kurt Cobain as one of his all-time favourite songs, and was parody star Weird Al Yankovic's first release, retitling the track My Bologna. The success of The Knack, based off of this track, would see record labels searching for more acts in this mould. But My Sharona really wasn't The Knack's only hit from the album, with a song called Good Girls Don't, which also managed to chart at number 1 in Canada, and 11 in the US. Sadly for The Knack, however, the hysteria would only last for around 8 months. What led to the Knack's downfall was a number of key factors such as the effect that critics had on their reputation, comparing them to a cheap imitation of the Beatles due to the many references on their album artwork. 
Other artists and critics also labelled them a novelty act and criticised the Knack's attempt to bring the outdated 60s style back, but with crude lyrics, while problems with alcohol and drugs especially affected Doug. The constant oversaturation and push at the time for My Sharona, especially the repetitive cycle of the song on radio, also caused a burnout effect from listeners. While the band's managerial decision to stop doing interviews and TV promotional pieces in order to prevent that oversaturation of their music ultimately affected album sales anyway and their popularity decreased rapidly with the whole plan backfiring. As Prescott Niles said, the manager at the time, I'll excuse him for his innocence, his non-expertise and his being in way over his head. However, his decisions killed us and as a result, it pissed a lot of people off. The members of the Knack, especially Doug Figer, were labelled as cocky and arrogant, especially for newcomers to the industry. Despite radiating natural confidence and believing in their ability to play good rock music, it just didn't sit right with many people who witnessed the few interviews they did conduct before their no-interview policy. It would also be their lyrics that would contribute to their downfall, with the song Good Girls Don't and My Sharona being labelled as sexist. In Good Girls Don't, one of the most controversial lines on the album version reads, and she makes you want to scream, wishing you could get inside her pants. And the lines, everyone has got to taste, an in-between age madness, that you know you can't erase, till she's sitting on your face. While the single version was released with altered lyrics to please the radio audience, this would greatly contribute to the band's demise, as lyrics this obviously sexual simply wouldn't sustain them in the industry during this time, as many simply weren't prepared to go there. Had they mastered taboo and crude topics using metaphors and symbolism, like other artists such as Prince, then perhaps it wouldn't have been such an issue and had an impact on their reputation. For many it was simply too much, especially the references by the band's older men about teenage girls. Protests against the Knack's music were even held, as concerned parents didn't want their children and teens listening to this type of music. With artist Hugh Brown leading a campaign against the band called Nuke the Knack. Due to all of this, especially the song My Sharona, they became known as a novelty act and what some would call a guilty pleasure. The Knack were a representation of watered down punk rock after the punk phase had looked to be fading away. As Sex Pistols guitarist Steve Jones said, I've literally played that album a million times, but I couldn't really tell people, because it was kind of uncool, being from the Sex Pistols and that whole era. I love that album, I still have a copy of it. Doug Feger also spoke about their fall from grace, as he said, How could it have changed so much that we were the glorious, the wonderful knack one minute, and we were this horrible sellout commercial bullshit hype the next minute? It made me angry. The downfall of the Knack continued as they then quickly released a second studio album titled But The Little Girls Understand on the 15th of February 1980, which only made it to number 15 in the US and 32 in Australia. The new album struggled to sell anywhere near Get The Knack's figures and also featured Sharona on the front cover of the album. Despite the track Baby Talks Dirty reaching number 13 in Canada, it was seen as tasteless in regards to the lyrical content once again, and their music appeared to lack evolution or growth. The Knack were destined to fade off, with more of their lyrics being bashed by critics, as Rolling Stone magazine critic Dave Marsh brutally but honestly detailed their downfall, as he said, quote, 
The music can't redeem the lyrics, not only because such dehumanisation is irredeemable, but also because the music is lame. Indeed, the knack are the most nefarious sort of hacks. They're terribly competent, and they have a seemingly inexhaustible storehouse of cliches. The Knack's greatest achievement is to make hard rock cliches sound completely gutless. Figure's pulling vocals suggests that, for him, the ultimate agony would be to imagine that somewhere in the world, there exists a woman who might find him sexually unattractive. In Figure's lyrics, women are literally commodities whose chief purpose is to be brutalised. The harsh reviews kept on coming, which was said to have taken its toll on the band, especially Doug, who took it very personally. From April 1980, after touring extensively around the world from the US, Canada, Europe, New Zealand, Australia and Japan, the Knack decided to take a break from the industry over directional disputes within the band. There was believed to be communication breakdowns between members as well as exhaustion. This break would turn into a year-long hiatus before returning to the studio in the summer of 1981, despite clear tension and discontent amongst band members. During 1981, The Knack released their third album titled Round Trip, and while some fans found it to be a return to form and an underappreciated album, it would prove to be a disaster commercially, only reaching number 93 in the US, a huge fall from the top as critics panned the album once again. With plummeting sales, struggling to crack over a few hundred thousand, and singles such as Pay the Devil and Boys Go Crazy being released and flopping commercially, Combined with pressure by the record label, critics, and internal problems with the band members, on New Year's Eve, December 31st, 1981, after a gig at the Acapulco nightclub in the UK, Doug Feger walked out on the knack, leaving Burden Avery, Prescott Niles, and Bruce Gary shocked and left to pick up the pieces of the sinking ship. When later speaking to Rolling Stone magazine, Doug Feger looked back on his time with the knack but revealed a big part of their downfall was himself when he said, It was Bedlam, girls jumping on stage. It was the first time we realised we were a successful group. But afterwards, I didn't really want to enjoy the moment. I wanted to take drugs. We realised we were happening, but my self-destructive nature was also right there. Drummer Bruce Gary elaborated on the situation by saying, Doug created a massive cancer that was slowly eating the band up. While on a tour in Italy, Bruce Gary claimed that he, Prescott and Avery came close to knocking Doug out over his behaviour and he elaborated by saying, He was being a real smuck. We pinned him against the wall and told him to shape up or we'd beat him up. The Knack attempted to carry on with another lead singer, but the departure of Doug was too much, with the band disbanding in mid-1982. Together, Bruce Gary, Prescott Niles and Burden Avery played in a band together briefly called The Game with Stephen McNally on vocals and did some studio session work for other musicians as they slowly went their separate ways. Bruce Gary was in high demand as a session drummer working with Rod Stewart, John Lee Hooker, Bette Midler and much later with Sheryl Crow. He later became a producer working on a Jimi Hendrix compilation album while he also toured with Jack Bruce and Bob Dylan while Burden Avery also worked with Bette Midler, and Prescott Niles worked with Josie Cotton and George Harrison. Lead singer of The Knack, Doug Feger, next went on to provide vocals for his school friend's band, Was Not Was, and their 1983 album Born to Laugh at Tornadoes, before forming his own band, 
called Doug Figures Taking Chances, but this project wouldn't last too long. The bad news kept coming for Doug when his relationship with Sharona Olperin broke down. After four years together, and after becoming engaged to Sharona, Sharona and Doug called time on their relationship, with Sharona revealing she needed to become her own version of herself and not feel like she was the possession of anyone else, as their breakup was mostly due to Doug becoming too entrenched in the rock and roll lifestyle, as well as becoming a bad alcoholic. Sharona moved on with her life, and for the time being, kept her distance from Doug. Sharona ended up becoming a high-end real estate agent for celebrity clients in California. In 1985, all the members of the Knack, barring Doug, formed a band once again called The Front, with Stephen Bauer on vocals. They started gigging and earning an interest from a few labels, who asked if Doug would be interested in fronting them, replacing Bauer. Doug, on the other hand, was apparently still struggling with alcohol and drug abuse, as he was quoted as saying, I was kind of a sewer for drugs and alcohol. Some nights, if I wanted to be Hank Williams, I was into bourbon. If I wanted to be Jim Morrison, it would be vodka and cocaine. Doug claimed he made around $3 million from his time with the Knack, but at least half of that was spent on taxes, while a large portion of that was spent on a house he bought in the Hollywood Hills. But before he placed insurance on the house, a flood and mudslide tore through the area, leaving a huge clean-up bill. Figa parted ways with the house and instead started renting in the LA area, surviving off the royalties from his time with the Knack, which only drove him further into drugs and alcohol. His sister Beth began to worry about his mental state after a few phone calls with him, after it was clear to see how emotional he got from reading negative critic reviews of his music and being classed as a one-hit wonder. During 1985, Doug actually reunited in private with his Knack bandmates for a quiet jam session, but ruled out returning to front them anytime soon. As September 1986 rolled around, Doug Figer told Rolling Stone magazine that he is, quote, a recovering drug addict and alcoholic, and that he is attempting to turn his life around by distracting himself with things like going to basketball matches in LA and lifting weights, while he also managed to give up smoking. He revealed that he had been working on some solo projects, including some music with Nicky Six of Motley Crue and with his band, Was Not Was. Doug also became a married man, tying the knot with Mia Klein, and they would also stay together for around 10 years as she helped him out of his slump, along with others. After years apart as the knack, in November 1986, Doug with Gary, Niles and Avery reunited for a benefit concert for Michael Myers, the man who booked the band's first ever gig back in 1978. This concert would prove a pivotal point in reuniting the band once again, as they decided to reform and hit the club scene like they did when they were younger. Then during July 1989, after around three years of gigging, drummer Bruce Gary decided to part ways with the Knack to pursue his own musical aspirations. Mr. Big Drummer Pat Torpy briefly filled in on drums until a permanent replacement was found, until he was officially replaced by Billy Ward. After previously being signed to Capitol Records, the Knack next signed a contract with British rock label Charisma Records in 1990 before entering the studio to record the Knack's fourth studio album. On the 16th of January 1991, the Knack released the album titled Serious Fun, but once again, it was considered a complete flop. 
failing to sell well at all, and copping poor reviews from critics. Its only saving grace was a reasonable single, titled Rocket O' Love, which charted at number 9 on the US rock chart. A second single titled One Day at a Time was due to be released as a second single, but funding and promotion was pulled by the record label as they had apparently lost faith in the band, leaving them as a shelved artist. Due to the death of Charisma Records founder Tony Stratton Smith, the label fell apart and the Knack were let go from their contract. By 1992, the Knack had called it quits for the second time after things didn't look to be improving. Two years later, however, in 1994, they would reunite and play sporadically through most of the 90s, appearing on late-night TV for performances, and even saw the return of Bruce Gary on occasions. Billy Ward then left the band and former drummer for Missing Persons and Frank Zappa, Tony Bozio, then joined The Knack to record their fifth studio album, titled Zoom, which would be released under Rhino Records in July 1998. Despite not being a commercial success, the album did receive its most critical acclaim since their debut album. After a fourth break from the band, Doug also recorded and released his very first solo album in 1999, called First Things First. Doug Fieger with The Knack then returned in 2001 to release their sixth and final studio album, titled Normal As The Next Guy, under Smile Records. This would be their fourth record company so far, with David Henderson becoming the band's fifth drummer after Tony Bozio moved on. From this point onwards, the band would gig but not release any new material for some time, as Pat Torpy rejoined the band on drums, replacing Henderson. The year 2006 would prove to be a hectic one for the Knack members, with Doug Fieger and Burden Avery launching a lawsuit against Run DMC for potentially using the guitar riff from My Sharona for Run DMC's song called Tricky, without seeking permission, and was settled outside of court. Along with this, during early 2006, Doug was performing with The Knack in Las Vegas when he started to become disorientated on stage. He all of a sudden experienced a nagging headache and began to slur and forget the words to his songs. After the show, Doug went to his doctor and later discovered that he had two tumours on his brain. During August 2006, he underwent surgery to remove these two tumours and things looked to be on the up. However, that same month, on the 22nd of August 2006, sadly original member and drummer of the Knack, Bruce Gary, passed away at the age of 55 in Tarzana, California, of non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Despite Doug himself being quite ill, he still managed to gig and appeared on the Australian Countdown Spectacular in 2007. Unfortunately, however, the rough patch would continue into late 2007 when Doug Fieger was also diagnosed with lung cancer. This resulted in Doug having to undergo chemotherapy and surgery, which resulted in the removal of half of his lung. Despite his 10-year marriage to Mia Klein breaking down many years ago, she returned to help him through this tough time, as Doug was quite ill. On February 10th, 2010, lead singer of the Knack, Doug Fieger, sadly lost his battle with lung cancer after passing away at the age of 57 in his LA home. His family were there to see him off, while his ex Sharona Olperin, who over the years patched things up with Doug, managed to join him at his bedside many times before he passed away. She said, 
people that meant so much to him in the music industry came to pay their respects to him. It was really beautiful. Sadly, the frontman of The Knack was gone and the band would be no more. In 2010, after his death, a second solo album of Doug's was released called Hankerings as a tribute album to Hank Williams, one of his all-time favourites. While in 2012, the last ever The Knack album was released titled Rock and Roll is Good For You, which featured demos recorded by Doug Fieger and Burden Avery from the years 1973 and 1975 and managed to receive positive reviews. Doug's siblings, Beth and Jeff, are both still alive to this day, with Jeff becoming a highly sought-after attorney. Original The Knack members, including bass guitarist Prescott Niles and guitarist Burden Avery, are both 67 today. Niles is still playing music to this day in a band called Missing Persons, while Avery transferred his talent in the music industry into theatre and screenplay, which he has been involved in since the early 90s. While the woman that inspired my Sharona, Sharona Olperin, is now 42 years old and has children and a family of her own. Despite holding the dreaded one-hit wonder tag, experiencing the highs and lows of the rock and roll lifestyle, and losing Bruce Gary and the charismatic lead vocalist Doug Fieger along the way, the Knacks still live on today through their biggest hit, My Sharona. It's a track that's so catchy and influential on the music we hear today that it is still played on radio regularly. Somehow I don't think the Knack will be forgotten anytime soon, even if they are considered to be a one-hit wonder. Well, thanks for joining me, everyone, for that episode featuring the story of the Knack and where they are now. For more information regarding this episode, including weekly updates and more, head to our Facebook page at Lyrics of Their Life Podcast or our website at lyricsoftheirlife.com. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to give back for the hard work that goes into it, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave a review on iTunes, let your friends know about what they've been missing out on, and click the free subscribe button to the podcast so you can receive new episodes direct to you when they become available. If you would like to support the podcast financially, then feel free to head to Patreon, where you can pledge your support for as little as $1 a month. Every bit of support is greatly appreciated, and it means I can continue bringing you more great episodes in the future. Once again, thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Adam Hampton, and this is Lyrics of Their Life.